2023 has uh, passed us by, and here we are on the threshold of 2024. Uh, the old saying is that the days uh, pass slowly, but the years and the decades fly by, and uh, how they are uh, flying by indeed. I'd like to turn our attention this morning as we stand uh, on the precipice of this uh, new year to Psalm 1, where we learn about the, the pursuit of really the only uh, thing that matters, the only one who matters, and that is the pursuit of the Lord Jesus in all his glory and majesty and power and grace. I want to encourage us uh, on this uh, New Year's Eve uh, to uh, consider deeply our, our lives and reflect upon uh, what we have pursued in this and who we have pursued this past year and to uh, recommit ourselves as the people of God, as a local congregation, as individual Christians to make uh, this new year one of uh, one holy passion and that is above all else to pursue uh, the Lord Jesus and all he promises to be and do for us. And Psalm 1 helps us uh, see uh, how to go about doing that. Hear now the word of God. It's printed for you on page 6 of your worship folder uh, or in the Bible in the chair rack in front of you. Perhaps you have your uh, tablet or your phone open, your own copy of the scriptures. This is the word of God. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish." Father, we ask that you would attend uh, the reading and preaching of your word, the hearing of your word, uh, the application of your word, that you would attend it all with uh, your power, your life-giving, life-changing power uh, through the work of your Holy Spirit in and with and by and through the word. Uh, we pray that you would be pleased to open the eyes of our hearts now and throughout this new year to uh, the glories, the wonders that are in your word. May we behold afresh, even this morning, uh, the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ as he stands forth from this passage and on every page of the Bible. May we love him, desire him, treasure him, cherish him more and more in this new year of grace, all to the end that we would become more and more like him in every way. For we ask it in his name, and all God's people said, amen. 
Well, if you've ever been to St. Louis, uh, Missouri, uh, you know the distinguishing feature of that city is the giant arch that, that towers over that uh, community. It's called the Gateway Arch uh, because it was from there that the Lewis and Clark expedition uh, began and opened up the passageway to uh, the Pacific Northwest. Well, Psalm 1 is that arch in some ways in that it's the gateway to the whole book of Psalms, and it opens for us the pathway to the life that we all desire, namely a life of happiness. The very first word in Psalm 1, and therefore the very first word in the whole of the Psalter, is the word blessed. It's the translation of a Hebrew word that means happy. It's used 44 times in the Old Testament. 25 of those occur in the Psalms. Its Greek equivalent in the New Testament is used 50 times, and over half of those times it's used by Jesus in the Gospels. And perhaps the most famous place where we find this word translated Blessed is in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes where Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And on and on he goes. People spend their whole lives seeking this blessed, happy life, uh, but they never find it. It's It's elusive. It escapes them because they seek happiness in external circumstances like wealth and achievements and pleasure and power and relationships. And these are all temporal and superficial sources of happiness. But the happiness that the Bible talks about, and specifically here in our text in Psalm 1, is uh, not circumstantial at all. And neither is it temporal or superficial. It's an eternal, deeply rooted joy, a deeply rooted contentment and satisfaction that's independent of our circumstances because it's grounded in our relationship with the infinite and eternal God who created us to pursue and to find our happiness in Him. St. Augustine, one of the leaders of the early church and the bishop of North Africa uh, wrote in his famous book Confessions said Lord you stir us you're the one who stirs us to take pleasure in delighting in and praising you because you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. So God created us and he wired us for true happiness. Uh, it's what we all desire and as Blaise Pascal, the famous French mathematician and Christian philosopher said, happiness is the motive behind every choice, behind every step that you take. Every move you make, every, everything that you do, every action that you take. Uh, is motivated by this desire for happiness. Even 
even those who commit suicide do so to achieve this end of happiness. This is uh, our motive for living. It's the life we all want. And right here at the beginning of the book of the Psalms, in the beginning of a new year, God tells us that happiness, as he defines it, not as we define it, not as our world defines it, but as he defines it, uh, is possible. This blessed, happy life is possible. Notice what it says. Blessed or happy is the man, is the woman, is the person, young, old, and in between. Not happy might be the man, but happy is the man. It's telling us this life we all desire is attainable. It's possible. Now, how do we get it? What's the means by which this happiness comes? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Notice that true happiness is not based upon your circumstances. In verse 3, this blessed, happy person who is pictured here as a tree is going through seasons. Do you see that? It bears fruit in its season. It's not always blossoming. Uh, There are seasons of cold, harsh winters, hot, dry summers. It's not always lush and beautiful. You know, you can't stop the ebbs and flows of the seasons of life. And if you base your happiness of always living in the, the blossom of springtime, then happiness is going to elude you. You're never going to find it. That is true happiness. Happiness doesn't come from our external circumstances, but from where our life is rooted or planted. Look at this tree. It's been planted by streams of water. Now, the tree didn't plant itself. Someone took that tree or took a seed from someplace else and planted that seed, planted that tree by this stream of life-giving water. This is a picture of what a Christian really is. A Christian is not simply a nice person who does good things. A Christian is somebody who has had uh, their lives radically transformed by the grace of God. A Christian is someone who has experienced a radical change in where their life is planted, in what or in whom their life is planted. They've been uprooted by God from the stagnant soil of, of sin and death, which defined who they were, defined you and me. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. We were, by nature, children of wrath, the Scriptures teach us. And we have been planted by grace, by the sheer mercy of God, 
into God himself, into Christ. We have been transferred from one kingdom into another, from one soil into another, from death to life, from misery into gladness, into joy, into this blessedness. A Christian is a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. It's like moving from one year to the next. The old year is past, now the new year has come. Paul tells us in Colossians that your life is, as a believer in Christ is hidden with God in Christ. And when Christ, who is your life, not your money, not your retirement, not your grandchildren, not your children, not your accomplishments, not your career, but when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. So Christ is the source of your happiness, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what seasons you're in. You know, we go through droughts, uh, periods of dryness, barrenness. We grieve, we mourn, we lament, we weep, we suffer. Life is painful, and sometimes it lasts for a long time. But yet, look at this tree. Its leaf does not wither, regardless of the season. Its leaf does not wither. Why? Why is that? It's because the more the heat bears down on that tree, the deeper it has to sink its roots down into the soil to draw up the water into its root system. You know, Christians who have gone through uh, deep, waters of suffering deep periods of and long periods of spiritual drought so to speak know what it's like to sink the roots down deep into the soil of God and his goodness and faithfulness and many of you have experienced that some of you are there now you know the happiness that this psalm is talking about not a giddiness not a superficial happy clappy kind of life is is great but you know this deep-seated satisfaction and joy because you've had to sink the roots of your faith down deeper and deeper into the soil of your father's goodness and faithfulness and love in ways that you never had done before The pain and the grief and the sorrow and the tears are still there. But underneath it all is the deep abiding assurance that by His grace, your life is rooted in Christ and therefore He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is for you. He will strengthen you and He will help you and He will uphold you with His righteous right hand. My grandmother was an artist she used to paint these beautiful scrolls with scripture passages on there. And one of my favorites was a scroll where, where she painted the words to Psalm 139. It says, even if, even if I take the wings of the dawn and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will hold me, your right hand will hold me fast. And some of us are in the deep waters right now of suffering. And you need to know through this psalm and through the rest of the scripture that your heavenly father is holding you 
in the palm of his hand, and he will never let you go. And that's where this deep blessedness, this deep happiness, it's not superficial, it's not circumstantial. It's where you're, it comes from where you're planted, in whom you're planted. The Lord Jesus Christ, believing that and resting in that is where this true happiness comes from. But notice that it's not something that just happens to you. It's something you choose. It's something you choose. Blessed, verse 1, starts out with these negative statements. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. These verbs, walk, stand, and sit, refer to uh, certain patterns of living. Uh, He's making a choice, uh, the person described here in Psalm 1. He's making a choice not to walk in the counsel of the wicked, which refers to the life of the mind, what we listen to or who we listen to, what we think about, what we give ourselves to in the life of the mind. He's choosing not to stand in the way of sinners, which refers to our behavior he's choosing not to sit in the seat of mockers and in the ancient jewish culture into which this psalm was written where you sat or with whom you sat was where you belonged and to whom you belonged men sat with men women with women rich with rich poor with poor slaves with slaves free with free, Gentiles with Gentiles, and on and on it went. So where you sat, or with whom you sat, that was your identity. And so in order to be happy, as God defines it, we're being told here that we've got to make a conscious choice to say no to and to turn away from Any way of thinking, any way of desiring, any way of behaving, and any identity that is not rooted in Jesus Christ. That's what repentance is, is it not? It's saying no to sin and making a conscious choice to turn our minds away from that and towards Jesus Christ. And all he promises to be for us. And so we negatively say no. We make a choice to say no to sin, but we have to make a choice to say yes to and turn to and pursue God by delighting in his law and meditating on it day and night. It says here he, he delights in the law of God. And that's shorthand for the whole counsel of God. It's not just where the rules are. It's making the word of God the rule of your life. Um, Delighting in it. Meditating on it day and night. You know, when you delight in something, you you talk about it. uh, You think about it all the time. uh, You you share it with others. You give your, your time and energy and money to the things that you delight in. Talk to any grandparent. And it's not going to be long before they're showing you all the pictures and videos on their phone of their grandchildren. I know from experience. Uh, yesterday, we just celebrated Clay's uh, first birthday. And you know, my phone was out the whole day taking pictures of Clay and videos of Clay. And I'm going to show you. 
how excited I am, how I delight in my grandson Clay. And that's just, you know, you're crazy about your kids. You love your kids, but you get unhinged <laughs> with delight uh, with your grandkids. And that's a picture of how we should respond to God's word, delighting in it. You can't stop thinking about it. It thrills you and brings you greater pleasure than all the pleasures of the world because it's revealing to you the person of our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer and friend, Jesus Christ. Only as we turn our eyes to him and gaze upon him in the pages of the Bible do the things of earth grow, what? Strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You know, he is what the Bible is all about. He says so in Luke 24. On the day of his resurrection, he meets with his disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they have no clue who he is. And they're downcast because they, they thought that he was the Messiah, but he's been crucified, and some of the women in their group have told him that they, he's been raised, but that sounded like foolishness to them. And he said, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the scriptures have taught concerning the Messiah. And then he takes them, starting with Moses in Genesis and all through the Torah and all through the Psalms and the prophets. And he explained to them, he, he opened the scriptures to them concerning himself. Every page of Scripture is about the Lord Jesus in some way or another. And so delighting in the law of the Lord is delighting in Him. It's not delighting in information, it's delighting in a person. Meditating on the Word of God day and night is meditating on Jesus Christ. Who He is and what He's done for us. By his life and death and resurrection, he's forgiven us all our sins. He's clothed us in his righteousness. He's set us free, not only from the penalty of sin, but it's power. We don't have to choose sin. And one day he's going to free us from his presence forever. He's adopted us as his dearly loved sons and daughters. You are dearly loved by your heavenly father he says over you this morning on this new year's eve he says to you, you are my dearly loved daughter my dearly loved son in whom i am what well pleased because your life is rooted in christ the hebrew word for meditate literally means to mumble to yourself uh, to meditate on the Word of God then is, to, is to, to mumble it to ourselves, to rehearse it over and over and over again. And sometimes meditation has been likened to what a cow does with its cud. You know, a cow wakes up in the morning and eats some grass and swallows it and then, guess what? Spits it back up, regurgitates it, eats it some more, swallows it, regurgitates it again, and that process goes on and on and on until the cow has just sucked out of that grass all the life-giving nutrients. And then it eats some more grass and does the same thing. So here's the application. Be a cow. <laughs> Read your Bible like a cow eats 
the grass. Meditate on it day and night. Regurgitate it. Rehearse it. Let it fill and flood your mind and your heart until your heart sings. Until your heart rejoices. Until your heart is warmed. Your cold, unbelieving, calloused heart is warmed by the fires of God's love for you in Jesus Christ. Do you know how to meditate? Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to mumble to yourself the gospel? Do you know how to preach the gospel to your heart? Rehearsing its beauties and glories. The wonders of his love for you. We, we do it in the songs that we sing week after week. That's one way to meditate on the word is to fill your mind with these gospel-centered hymns and worship songs. But primarily we need to memorize the word of God and have it with us in our heart, in our minds, all through the day churning it over, chewing on it, getting all the nutrients of grace out of that word. Um, this, this is how happiness comes, not by pursuing happiness itself, but by choosing to say no to all competing allegiances to Jesus and pursuing him above all else, hungering and thirsting after him as he's revealed to us in his word. You know, he says at the end of Matthew 6, after he's talked about worry, he says, seek first what? No, it says seek first happiness, right? No, it says, somebody over here got it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? All these things will be added to you as well, including this blessedness, this happiness regardless of your circumstances your life will be like this well-rooted well-watered tree durable stable fruitful in its season its leaf will not wither this is the life that we all desire this is the life that God promises he's calling us to pursue it today and in this new year and always and he's warning us here He's warning us in this psalm of the great dangers of pursuing any alternative. There are going to be a lot of options for you, a lot of choices out there. You're going to have a whole buffet of pursuits to choose from in 2024. And, and Psalm 1 is full of wisdom, full of hope, full of grace, and full of warning for us concerning the pursuits that we go after the warning is illustrated by the chaff uh, in verses four to six the wicked are not so they're not like that tree that's planted but <coughs> excuse me they're like chaff that the wind drives away therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish the, the picture uh, here is that of somebody sifting the grain. They, they get it in a big uh, bucket or tub, uh, tray, and they throw, throw it up in the air. And the good stuff, the, the grain, 
falls to the threshing floor, but the husk, the chaff, the worthless stuff, is blown away by the wind. And that's the picture of the ultimate end for all those who pursue happiness for itself in circumstances, in things, in themselves. For those who choose not to hunger and thirst after Christ, but would rather traffic in the council and the way and the seat of the world. The, the passage describes this person as the wicked. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judge. They'll be blown away like the chaff. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And this, my friends, is what we all deserve. Because we're all wicked by nature. There's no one righteous. No, not one. Not one of us. There's only one, really, who has ever been and whoever is righteous, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who is the only one who has ever truly delighted in the law of God and obeyed it perfectly. So Jesus is really the, the truly blessed, happy person of Psalm 1. At the beginning of the Psalter, you have the Lord Jesus Christ standing before us as this uh, well-planted, well-watered tree, and we are called to be rooted in him and be like him. He's, he's the one who deserves, because of his perfect obedience to his Father, he's the one who deserves the perfect life of happiness. But the marvel of the gospel is that he, the righteous one, took the judgment of God for his wicked people, for you and for me. Does that make your heart sing with joy? My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but what? The whole is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. What? Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. You see, I was just meditating just for a few moments here on the person of Christ and who he is and what he's done for us leads us to rejoice in him in song. On the cross, Jesus was treated by God as the wicked person deserves to be treated. He was blown away like chaff by the wrath of God so that all those who seek him and delight in him and meditate on him will find happiness in him and they will not perish but have everlasting life so jesus is the gateway arch to this full happy satisfying life that we all long for and for which god has made us so i call you this morning to make it your aim Make it your goal, your number one priority in this new year and all of life to pursue Jesus above all else as he's revealed in his word. Hear and heed this great invitation. Come to me, Jesus says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. That's another way of saying you will find happiness, blessedness, 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Dear friends, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed, happy is the one who takes refuge in him. Amen. Father, we have tasted your goodness, and it has both satisfied us and made us thirsty for more. We are painfully aware of our need for more of your grace, and we confess and repent of and are ashamed of our lack of desire for you. Oh, Father, we want to want you more and more. We long to be filled with longing for you, Lord Jesus. We thirst to be made thirstier for you, Spirit of the living God. Give us grace, we pray, in this new year to pursue you above all else. For your glory and our everlasting joy, our everlasting blessedness, happiness. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.